Here's what we know. Um, you can only share the most embarrassing thing, uh, the most embarrassing thing you've ever gone through, is if two things exist, is if trust and humility. Today we're going to talk about humility. And it's tough to share. So, all right, here's one of mine, right? I have a, I have a lot to choose from. Maybe my wife can help me out with one better one. But um, uh, one was right in front of you guys. I remember we were upstairs, and I'm not kidding. Um, and I'm, like, easily distracted, right? Like, really easily distracted. And there was a, uh, there was a pigeon that flew in our window and upstairs, and it, like, landed on the stage. And the pigeon was there. So I want to say 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes of the sermon, I was like, yeah. And I just stopped preaching and started to chase the pigeon. <laughs> True story. Anybody remember this? Yeah, yeah, there's a few of you. Yeah, a few of you who remember this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's awful, awful. And so that's just one of my most embarrassing moments, but I have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. And what we want to do, we, we want to be in this new year, is we want to be a true church. We don't want to be a, a group of gatherers. We don't want to be a group of people who come together for the sake of hearing a song, listening to a message, and then going home and not interacting with each other and being vulnerable. Notice I didn't say share your deepest sin. I only said share your most embarrassing moment. And yet, initially, when I said that, it seemed like everybody's reaction was, I'm not doing that. Why? Because that means two things. One of two things was missing. Maybe two things were missing. But for sure, one of two things were missing. Humility and trust. Now, here's the deal. Today we're going to talk, I'll bet, I'll bet if you couldn't bring yourself to share it, that both were missing. That both were missing. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Humility. And it's such an important topic that we could, not, we could not get out of January without talking about it. Here's the truth. If you have a knockdown drag out with your, with your wife or with your spouse, it's because humility wasn't there. I've never, ever seen humble and humble have a knockdown drag out. I've seen them disagree. I've seen them... Uh, you know, have differing opinions. I've never seen a husband and a wife, never, have a knockdown drag out where it was humble and humble. I've seen stubborn and ridiculous. I've seen, I've seen fresh mouth and, um, and disrespectful. I've seen them have a knockdown drag out, but I've never seen humble and humble. This is such an important subject that it's going to affect your marriage for the rest of your marriage. Humility is the basis of good relationships. If you want to talk about having long-lasting friendships, humility plays a huge part in this. You will simply not go through stages of life if humility does, is not a growing attribute of your life. Humility, listen to me. Humility is the foundation of a church growing and reaching the world for Christ. A church, simply will, a, simp, a church will simply split and fall apart. We're at the stage. We are at the stage where churches start to split and splinter. 
It's at the 17-year mark phase where churches start going, you, you create factions. You create uh, uh, cliques. You create groups. And what happens is that these factions, these cliques, these groups, whatever you want to call them, what they do is that they lead, and always within a church, they lead within the context of truth, but not within the context of humility. Therefore, it's not true. So they say things like, no, but this is what God's word says. Yes, 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 yes. But are you missing the part of the truth in love? Because if, if, you're, if you're expressing this within the context of gossip, if you're expressing your differences within the context of a clique or a group or a faction, then what happens is, is that that has its own life and no one else can come in. And then we become toxic. And then God decides he's not going to send any babies because this incubator is sick. That's what happens. Humility is the most important thing to the recovery house of worship. As we live in Christ, my prayer is that we as a church would grow in humility. And here's Here's some, some of what I've noticed. We're having this talk because I'm noticing that that sort of thing is going on. That we're actually becoming more focused on me than we're actually becoming more focused on me, me, me than Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. So, my prayer is that this would be a deeply convicting sermon. But more than that, my prayer is that it would make you run to Jesus in brokenness and beg him. Because here's a clue. Here's a clue. None of you are humble. None of us are. There are no humble people. There are only proud people Pursuing humility by the grace of God. There are no humble people. So let's just settle that right now. I'm talking to the person sitting in your seat. I'm not talking to the group that didn't sit at your table and look, they sat over there and we sat over here and isn't this convenient? Because you all sat next to your cliques. You all sat next to the people that you, you didn't sit next to the people that you don't like. You sat next to the people that you like. And I get that. We can't get along with everyone. But do you see how, how this would break Jesus' heart? Do you see? Do you see how this will spread to our marriages and with our children? Do you see how this will kill our church? Since God knows that we were going to go through this, he's given us a word, a word that will speak to us, but it'll speak to your marriage, and it'll speak to your family, and it'll speak to your friendships, and it'll speak to their work environment, and you know what? It'll also speak to our church. And so, I pray, I pray that you wouldn't listen to this sermon focused on the other cliques that you were aware of, but that you focus on this sermon 
on the click that you're creating in your heart and be brokenhearted about your own sin. Yes? Let's, let's pray. Father, we're coming to this text and we're coming to it with an awful lot of pride. We really do think that we, we really don't need what we've just heard. And so, Lord, would you crush our arrogance and pride? And you help us to look more like Jesus so that you could bring more babies to this incubator that you call a church and that they could grow healthy and strong in Jesus so that you would get fame, the nations would be glad, and we would be overjoyed. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul, he's a sent one. That's what apostle means. He saw Jesus on a road, was completely... The Apostle Paul, I love the Apostle Paul because he wasn't a, a church person or a religious person at all. In fact, he hated Christians so much, and I identify with this because in my early 20s, I hated Christians. I didn't just was annoyed by them or just disagreed with them. I hated Christians. And so the Apostle Paul was like that, and then Jesus met him in a powerful way and drew him to himself and turned the Apostle Paul into a person who would write a great deal of the New Testament, whose words would affect people's lives. Not only affect people's lives, but affect churches and neighborhoods and kingdoms and nations and continents. His words, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would have an effect on the rest of time. He's top three most important people who ever lived. That's how important this dude is. And he wrote a letter to a church that he loved so much. This was his favorite church. If you, if you gauge how he felt about this church just by the first chapter, he talks about rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I rejoice, I rejoice. You'd, this was the people that he loved the most. Now, there are other churches that he planted that is like, I mean, look at the book of Galatians. He, if he loves that church, it's hard to tell. He is mad, and he's speaking to them strongly. Philippians, he has no strong instruction for. And to the church that he loves the most, the church that's most unified, the church that he sees is growing in Christ, it's this church that he puts this statement in. He says, there's a unity risk. There's a humility risk. There's a risk that you guys will start thinking that those are the, those are the real mature people. And then those are the miscreants. And those are the new guys. And everybody's different. And everybody, go to your corners. He goes, he knows that's going to be the temptation for every church, even his favorite church. And so he says, I don't want that to be. I don't want that to be in your families. I don't want that to be in your marriages. I don't want that to be with your friends. I don't want that to be in your workplace. I don't want that to be in any area of your life. I want there to be unity, but especially in the church. And so he opens up my favorite chapter in all 
of the Bible. Romans 8 is like a close second, but this is my favorite one. And he says this. Actually, as we read these four verses, would you stand with me? Is that okay? We stand because God's word is awesome. We stand because God's word is more important than my opinions. We stand because no matter what tradition you grew up with or what you believe, God's word supersedes all of it. We stand because we are reverently awaiting what God would say to you and me. Let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do other selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is God's word. Please have a seat. We're only going to be able to go through four verses today. Next week, we'll pick up on the rest of it. Paul lays a basis down, something that he assumes, but he says it in a kind of a weird way. He says this way, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being, then we always ask, where is it therefore, therefore? We can't get into that right now. But Paul is speaking about his love and his affection and his joy in Christ and how he wants them to walk in Jesus. And he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. You notice the word that he keeps on using there, if, if, if. Well, here's the thing about if. Paul is not asking whether or not there's any comfort in Christ. He's not going, well, you know, some people who are in Christ some people have the comfort of Christ, and some don't have the comfort of Christ. He's not saying it like that. He's saying it the way you and me ask our kids to do good in school. Listen, if you love me at all, would you just study for your classes? If you love me at all, would you just, would you just take the garbage out? If you love me at all, would you just make sure that you're on time? If, that's the kind of if that Paul is asking. It's a foregone conclusion. It's not a real question. He's saying, I assume this is true. A better word that would be there would be since. Since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have comfort from his love, since you have a common sharing in the spirit, since you have tenderness and compassion, then... Since this is true, you go, I don't have that. Good. Then let's talk about coming to Christ. Because those who are in Christ have that to some degree. I get it that some people have it to a greater degree because they're more mature in Christ. They've been following Christ longer. Or maybe God has just, I mean, honestly, there are people who have walked in Christ for less time than me, who I see as less mature than me, and who have this far more than I do. The comfort in there. They just, 
They just love Jesus. They have a gratitude in Christ that is beautiful to, to behold. But you have to, you're, you're not a Christian if you don't, you don't have this. And if that's the case, then good news. You're in a church community. So you can come to Christ. This is a, this, don't feel bad about that. You go, oh, man, I've been coming here for four years. I don't have any of that. I just realized I'm not a Christian. Great. It's a great way to start your year. Come to Jesus. You go, I don't know how. Well, it's simple. Just, just admit to, I mean, just agree with him. Agree with him that you're worse than you think. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is you're worse than you think. Did you know that? You're worse than you think. That's why we should never get uh, surprised when we see people in our church behave badly. We go, oh, you're worse than you think. I remember uh, we, we were at uh, leadership development yesterday. And just let me just say this. Who was here at leadership development yesterday, right? Anybody? Go ahead. Let's just give a, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a few of them. Okay, right. Ask them how leadership development was. You are missing out on something special that God is doing if you're not coming to leadership development. It's just a fantastic experience for us to grow in unity and in humility and become better in serving Jesus and telling others about him. All right, so if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you don't experience this, then don't be surprised if you find that you are worse than you think. This is the gospel. You're worse than you think. Now, I was going into the illustration that Ray used yesterday, Pastor Ray used. It was very funny. He said that, um, you know, someone had uh, come to our church, and we have some of these shirts. They're called, you know, the Our How T-shirts. Has anybody ever seen the Our How T-shirt? They're great. They're fantastic. And so um, I, I don't know if he said he was afraid of, or I thought he said that he saw on cops a person. Yeah, the recovery house of worship. That's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so that he was, that someone was wearing a recovery T-shirt and then got arrested, right? And he said something funny. He goes, but, you know, I'm super afraid of watching the show and watching someone with an R-How T-shirt and then being on Cops, to which we all laughed, which is, it's very funny. But why would we be surprised at that? Because we're worse than we think. That's what the gospel is, right? You're worse than you think. I'm expecting every one of you on cops. <laughs> not really. I'm hoping not. But here's what we know. Here's what we do know. That you're worse than you think. You're more selfish than you think. You're more immature than you think. You're more self-centered than you think. You're more mean-spirited. You're more of all those things. You're more, you're more of all those things than you think. And at the same time, Jesus loves you with a profundity that you can't imagine. You are worse than you think, and you're more loved than you can imagine. That's the gospel. So why don't you just agree with him? Yes, I'm worse than I think. And just confess to him. Hey, yeah, 3 o'clock in the morning, last night, I drink, I think... Uh, drinking is more important than you. I think that drugs are more important than you. I think that you know, relationships are more important than you. I just think I, you're not the number one in my life. I got a million things that are number one. You're like number 56. And just admit that to him. That's where it starts. If you're not experiencing that, then you can go to Jesus and you can tell him that. 
If you're not experiencing what Paul is saying, the encouragement, the comfort, the common sharing, the tenderness and compassion, if you're not experiencing that, then maybe you're not in Christ. Be convicted about that and run to Jesus and ask him. You don't have to wait till the end of the sermon for that. You could do that now. Then, if any of these are true, now I'm talking to the, the church. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking, I'm talking to a youth group. I'm talking to, I mean, wherever you are. Then, make my joy complete, Paul says, because he's been talking about his joy all along. And he goes, you know, put my joy over the top by being like-minded. Somebody say like-minded. like-minded. Having the same love. Somebody say have the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Let's say that together. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Those are three things that if not practiced will absolutely destroy your marriage, family, and church. You see, if, if we are not like-minded, so here's what it means to be like-minded. Here's Susie, and she thinks what a church is about is about giving her goosebumps. And she comes to this church because we deliver. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Word of God speak. Do, 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 do. You know, right? And it's like, wow, we deliver. And someone will come up and share, and, and, and that'll move her, and she'll see the scriptures in a new way. But the, the, she does not exist for serving the church. The church exists for serving her. See, she's not like-minded. And so that's why she'll come here for two years or four or six. And then you know what? She'll come up. She'll say, you know what? You know, just the word's not deep enough. You know, the word's not deep enough. You know what? I just... The music, you know, the music. You know what? I just, I don't feel. And I go, oh, Susie, here's the problem. You, are, you were never like-minded. Of course you're going to go. Bye-bye. Having the same, all right, so let's actually, let's work on this. Just the like-minded piece. So Susie thinks that. And here's Joe. And Joe uses the church like uh, an ATM. He goes to it when he needs it. And so he comes to the church, and that's why the church exists. It's to be Joe's ATM. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I've sinned. I've corrupted myself. I've corrupted my family. I left my wife, got with my girlfriend. That didn't work out so well. Blew the whole thing up. Now would you come back and fix me? And would you actually get my wife to get back together with me. We're not mad at, we're not mad at Susie. We're not mad at Joe. We're simply saying we're not like-minded. That's not why the church exists. The church exists so that we might glorify God. And that means that'll inconvenience us. And we go, hallelujah, because it's all about glorifying Jesus. Let's be like-minded. If you, have, if you want to make my joy complete, be like-minded. Having the same love. Do you see that? 
the same love? What's that love? The love is the love that comes from Christ. Here's what that means. You are right now seated around people who are annoying. Okay, everybody, do me a favor. Point to the annoying person at your table. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, some of you are about to do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right, 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 right. <laughs> and if you're, if you're in your table and you're going, no one's really annoying in my table. <laughs> Might be you. Might be you. Just saying. Just saying. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so here's, here's what we're saying. We're being, we're being silly. We're being silly. But the fact that we're going to rub up against people who are not necessarily going to be easy to get along, because that's what families are, right? We just came out of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Did you have any family gatherings? Did you connect with Even family members can get difficult, right, when we all gather together. And we're committed to being a family here. So what's, what are we to do? We're to have the same love, this love that comes from Christ. So we ask ourselves, hey, did we make it difficult for Christ? Yeah. We made it difficult for him to die for our sins. We made it difficult for him to win us to himself. We made it very difficult on Christ. So if people are making it difficult for you to love them, it's okay. You just overflow. It's the same love. We don't want you to give your love. Your love is terrible. Your love is awful and immature, and your love has conditions that nobody can meet. Your love is crazy. God forbid, don't give your love. Give the same love, Christ's love. The love, the same love that you received from Christ. So it works out like this. Here's how it works out in marriage, right? So here's my wife, and she does something that I'm, I'm just furious about, right? And, and just I'm furious about it. And I go, oh, wait, Jesus, have I ever done anything that made you furious? And he goes, oh, do you have a minute? And then he tells me about 100 things that I've done that have made him furious. And then he reminds me of his love. And then I can go, so I'm not trying to love her like I'm working myself up to love her. I'm overflowing. I'm so filled with the love that Jesus has given me. It overflows. I I have a, a dear friend. He loves Jesus with all his heart. And his kid is pulling away. Yeah, parents, can you identify with that? The kid is just pulling away. And it happened way too soon. Every parent thinks that when they have the kid, you know, that um, they think that they have the kid for 18 years. Ah, nine, maybe 10 if you're lucky. And then they start going their own way and start pulling away. And so he's experiencing that. And he went to, you know, because... uh, you know, through, due to circumstances that are not important, he has to pick up his daughter, um, and he's, he's picking up, and she's like, nah, I don't want to go with you. I don't want to, you know, I want to sleep over the house. He's like, come on, it'll be fun. It's going to be great. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's going to be wonderful. Come on. Nah. Nah, I'd rather not. Oh. Okay, well, why don't we just have some pizza before you go? Is that okay? Yeah, well, I guess. Just, I got to get home fast. Oh, all right. What is he doing? He's forced at that moment to express the same love that he's received in Christ. You ever run from Jesus? Jesus ever want to come up to you and say, 
hey, I want to spend some time with you. Why don't we just create some time in the morning where we start your day, just you and me. Forget Facebook, forget the news, forget the weather. We'll get that in a minute. Just me and you. Let's just spend some time together. Well, 15 minutes. Somebody put on the egg timer. Yeah, 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 but why don't, you, why don't we spend a little bit more? Nah, I got better things to do. How has Jesus treated you during those moments? Well, he's loved and pursued, hasn't he? And it's with that love, that same love that you've, that you've been bestowed on, it's that same love we give to others. Being one in spirit and of one mind. That means having one focus. And listen, at our how we live to share, to help, and to equip. That's it. We're not here to give you goosebumps. We're not here to flatter you or to, at Recovery House of Worship, if you want to be a part of this church, this is the Recovery House of Worship. I pray that we view our church not so much like a hospital anymore, but that we would, but that we would view our church as a war room. That we would come in here and we would get um, instruction from God's word, love on one another, and then go out there and share the gospel and win the world for Christ. That this wouldn't be like, you know, not just, and of course we need to, you know, we're wounded and we need to, and absolutely we have experiences where we're broken and we need to be comforted for sure. But, but that's like the medic's lab within, uh, within an armory. You understand? That we would go out and we would be people who would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would me- help people by meeting them at the point of their need and that we would equip others to do the same. That that would be our heart and motive and desire. That's the one mind we want to have here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This, by the way, is the reason why church is split. Selfish ambition. The the reason that Paul has to say all the things that he's just said is because of this verse. So let's look at it for a minute. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You know, the King James doesn't have vain conceit. It has vain glory. I like that. I really like that. And it's, it's more accurate as to what Paul is trying to say. Vain glory. Because all of us, all of us are looking for us to be important. In other words, we're looking to have glory for ourselves. It's this self-centered, vain glory. All of us look to that. All of us. And so, if you're in a community like this, you want to create glory for yourself. And one of the ways you do that is by getting a few people around you and saying, okay, guys, us four, no more. No more come into this marriage group. No more come into this woman's group. No more come into this men's group. No more come into this singles group. No more come into this recovery group. No more come in. No more come in. We've got our people. There are peoples. And we say, no more. This is a selfish ambition and vain glory that divides churches and crushes the movement of God. You'll, you'll see this. Uh, Madonna, years ago, did an interview. She, uh, what's interesting is I think that her insights were really powerful. Really, we're, most of us are not this mature. Madonna said that what she does is, and some of you young people are like, who's Madonna? 
Okay, like, look it up on Google. And so she was a big deal when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And um, so Madonna said that what happens is, is that she works to do something extraordinary because her greatest fear is feeling mediocre. That's her greatest fear, feeling mediocre. And then she accomplishes like an incredible album or does an incredible movie or does something fantastic. And she feels wonderful for a while. She gets, she accomplishes something, but and then after a while, she feels mediocre again. Then she has to do something great again. This is a vain glory we're talking about. And she says, now, now this is so important because what she's saying is, is powerful. What she's saying is, this, is the problem for every one of our hearts. It's our ego. That we live for vain glory. That if things don't happen for us in our way, now here's the problem with addressing vain glory and ego. Nobody sees vain glory and ego in the mirror. It's hard to see. It's, a, it's hard to look in the mirror and see that. We go, oh, man, you're just being mean. Oh, okay, I guess, I guess I see that. Oh, man, you're being selfish. That's hard to see, but okay, I guess I see that. Nobody sees vainglory. Nobody. And so we're all walking around thinking, oh, my gosh, let me look at my phone. I'm grateful Edwin is talking to other people about this, but, uh, you know, I got to look at my phone. It's hard to see in the mirror. You know you live for vainglory when what you do is not acknowledged and you lose heart. You're living for vain glory. You know you're living for vain glory when you don't want anybody else to ruffle the group that you've created. You know you're living for vain glory when you desire what's best for you rather than what's best for everyone. Do nothing, yeah, yeah, there you go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, and now we're here, in humility, value others above yourself. Isn't that good news? In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to, and just in case you're not sure what humility means, here it is. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How can we do that, Recovery House of Worship? How can we look to others' interests rather than others, uh, rather than ourselves? Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Because it's pretty plain. I don't have to describe that too much. Okay, here's how it works. Let's start with our services. Let's just start right here. Do me a favor. When you come into the service, try to get here 10 minutes earlier. If you get here 10 minutes earlier, then find 10 people you don't know and make them feel like they're the president of the United States. Make them feel like a million bucks. Come here 10 minutes early. And you go, oh my gosh, I can't do that. It's just too early. Oh, oh there's your selfish ambition again. Oh my God, it's so difficult to get. No, there's your selfish ambition again. There's your vain glory again. Here's the, um, uh, a great illustration about this. We could start this within our service. Next week, you can all get here 10 minutes early. And for some of you, you'd have to get here 30 minutes early in order to get here at 10 o'clock. So get here even earlier than that. You got that? 
Okay, very, very important. So get here at like, say, 9.50. And then your job is to make 10 people, and you only have 10 minutes. Your job is to make 10 people feel like a million bucks. If you get three people, then you've done it. 